Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are welcome, welcome, welcoming you to Modern Homemakers. I think I should say occasionally that Modern Homemakers is always here to do the same thing, to encourage you in your walk as a woman, a woman living a counterculture life in the 21st century. Not easy. We are 18 years into the 21st century. I can't believe it. A wife, a mother and a homemaker, and none of these things are easy tasks, much less living in a culture that really devalues them and cuts them short. We're very much in the middle of Lent, and with the days moving forward and past rather quickly, I, I wanted to bring you a small meditation on Peter, Peter the failure. The girlfriends were talking about perfectionism, and I'm still sort of struck with the idea that they left me with, and that is that I'm a wise woman. I mean, I'm, I'm an old woman. Maybe I'm not wise, but I'm an old woman. And why would I not acknowledge that any root of perfectionism, any practice of perfectionism, which I can never attain, should be ruled out of my life? I make goals every year to improve. I need to make a goal to remind myself that I, that I can never attain this. And when I start to have a behavior or an attitude towards someone, that phrase that one of the girlfriends said, it's unacceptable, is just ringing and ringing in my ears. So I want to talk about this perfectly fits into the fact that Peter, Peter, was a failure. And I love, you know that I love to read, and there's a new resource up about Donna Otto's seven book reading theory. Okay, look at it, find it. It's my way of reading, but you'll find there that biographies are always a part of my reading. And my love for the scripture has been enhanced by this notion of the biography of people who live in the scripture, who God gave us to give us realization of how human we were, we are, and who, how human they were. And I've done this at the Christmas story, and I'm always talking about someone in our studies together in podcasting. But I looked at the Easter story, and I was looking at all the people who are part of the Easter story, Mary of Bethany, who come, comes and anoints Jesus' body. He's not dead, but she believes he's going to be. And Judas Iscariot. And I remember hearing this uh, during a Lenten year, as someone who was teaching and said this very bizarre thing. No, no history of this, but a little insight to what might have been Judas's issue. And really, Judas was to be the betrayer. God knew that. Jesus knew who it was going to be. But the, the man who was talking about it said, what if Judas Iscariot was just doing what a lot of us try to do? And that is, he believed that Jesus was a Messiah. And he had been told, as we had all been told, that the Messiah was going to come and be the king and take over. And what's your idea of being the king and taking over? Well, it's not being humble Jesus. And here is Judas, who's been traveling with Jesus and seen how many healings and how divine his miracles have been. And so the speaker said, what if Judas Iscariot had only gone 
to the priests in the temple and betrayed him so that Jesus would be taken off. And when Jesus was taken off, he would have called 10,000 angels and everyone would have seen that he was really the Messiah. And, I, you know, it was so bizarre. And I thought, that's ridiculous. I don't see that anywhere. But I've never stopped thinking about it because he was a human being. And what if that was one of the misnomers in his own heart? And there are a lot of characters in this account of the death and resurrection. There's Pontius Pilate and Caiaphas and Barabbas and Nicodemus and John the disciple, the loved one, and Peter. And Peter keeps showing up. Peter keeps showing up. And so I want to read a couple of passages to you about Peter and who he is and how he gets in trouble and what he does and so forth. So Luke, the first one is in Luke chapter 22, a few verses starting at 54. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him to the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, serving him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else said, On seeing him, you are one of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said it again, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept. You know, I read that and I think, What a bozo! Really, Peter, you've been with Jesus. He is terrific and wonderful. And just about the time I start to think, what a bozo. I am mindful of the too many to count times that I have denied Jesus myself. Too many times that I can count. And then in John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verses 33, starting at verses 33, Little children, I am with you, only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, but also you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And then, flipping over to John 18, in verse 1, after Jesus had spoken these words, he went out and with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often went there to meet with the disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers. A detachment. I want you to remember, that's a lot of soldiers. That's, that's not two or three or four or eleven or twelve. That's a lot of soldiers. Together with the police from the chief of priests and the Pharisees. And they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Hold on to that. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, 
I am he. And Judas, who had betrayed him, who was standing with him, when Jesus said to them, I am he, he stepped back and fell to the ground. And again he asked them, Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, what did Simon Peter do? He pulled out his sword and he drew it and he struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave's name was Malchus. And Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in your sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? I read those passages, and I read them before I was thinking about Jesus and his being a disciple, a lover, a carer for Peter. But Peter was so hot-headed and so passionate. From what I can understand in the account of all the disciples, Jesus sees that Peter does stay longer than the other disciples. Remember, though, they all fled. There was not one of them that stayed. After the crucifixion, they all fled. And they fled because they didn't know, they didn't understand. You know, it's really easy for me to talk about all of this Easter accounts and Peter and Peter's failure and the other disciples because I know the end of the story. They didn't know the end of the story. Peter was at the Last Supper. And when Jesus came and said, I'm going to wash your feet, what does he say? No, no, I'm not, no, you cannot wash my feet. I will wash your feet. And then Jesus says, if you don't let me wash your feet, I'll have none of you. Okay, wash me all over. Is he passionate? He's impulsive. But he flees like all the rest of them. He flees. And this is where his following ends. You know, I'm not comforted by it. And yet, in some ways, I am comforted. Mary, in her extravagance, gives her ointment, her devotion, prepares Jesus for his burial. I think Peter cannot accept the fact that Jesus is going to die. And in much the same way, I think, as the man was talking about Judas, who had a plan to make the Messiah be the Messiah. Ever have something that does not compute I do. I often say that doesn't make sense. Peter wanted to do it for Jesus. He did not want Jesus to die for himself. Peter was successful, accomplished. He was an entrepreneur, but he could not accept that Jesus had to die to do the work of God. And as I was thinking about this and in the idea of sharing some thoughts with you in this Lenten time. We find in acceptance peace. We can acknowledge that God is God and we are not. The only way you learn something, Donna, is to be hit with a baseball bat. I can hear my mother saying that to me over and over again, and I think she was right. I can hear my great affectionate Elizabeth Elliot who said to me in a very severe tone, don't carry a Bible unless you've swept under the bed. Donna, if you can't get organized, if under your bed is a mess, don't go out and preach to people and tell them what to do. I was never the one who read the Proverbs and saw the act of wisdom and went out and did it so I didn't get in trouble. 
I got in trouble and then I realized I shouldn't do that again. Now that grew to be less and less. But I, I really want to weep for Peter because I can see myself in him. Can you see yourself in him? Can you see your impulsiveness? Can you see you have a better idea than God does? Can you see being impatient and moving forward when you think you should go to the Father and say, what shall I do next? <sighs> Peter was always the first one to speak. He was the first one to act. He was the first one to take the lead. He takes the limelight in the conversation. He's eager and impulsive and impetuous. He is bursting with energy and self-confidence. I can be bursting with energy and self-confidence. He's a leader. He is a natural leader. He has the marks of what we look for in a leader, someone who's enthusiastic and has courage. And Jesus pulls him out to be a leader. He calls him the cornerstone of the church. Peter does not want Jesus to fail. Because Peter doesn't want to fail. And think about that. Think about that in yourself. Are you trying so hard to keep your children from failing? Your husband from failing? Are you hiding the bills from the credit card because you don't want to fail in your financial matters? And if someone knows about it, then you're caught. Oh, there's so many ways that we can protect ourselves from failing. Image management and insecurity and a fear of rejection, a fear of not being a part of the crowd, a fear of not having the right clothes or the right car or the right house or the right children. And Peter has all of that. And he takes charge. He takes charge even when there's a contingent, a, a detachment. I don't remember the exact number, but it was many. And then the, the Bible says that they, there were many of them who came and they all had weapons. It is guessed that there might have been two of the 12 disciples, plus Jesus, 13, two of them who might have had a sword besides Peter. What was Peter thinking? He's going to draw. He, who is he? You know, is he one of the sword... What's the one I love that movie so much? The Count of Monte Cristo. Has he got a sword that he can beat every... But it is his nature. First of all, he does want Jesus to fail because he knows what failure looks like. You know, maybe it would have worked. He cut off the captain's ear and there was blood and rushing and Jesus slipped away in the dark and he got away. But Jesus says to him in the most clear words, put your sword back. Am I not to drink of the cup the Father gave me? This Lent, I've been thinking about the cups the Father has given me and difficult passages and wildernesses in my own life, as I talked about recently. Peter is courageous. He is a good leader, but he's not on the same page with Jesus. He's a failure, not because his dream doesn't come to pass. He's a failure because he's not willing to get on the same page with Jesus. He wants success his way, and God is going to have success his way. God is going to have success the way he wants to have success. And I challenge you at the end of this Lenten time to closely commune with God and ask him, are there places that I am obviously not resting and trusting in you? Am I not leaning into you? Pay Peter failed. 
and then he could see how in his failings Jesus came to rescue him. Failing allowed Peter to be lifted up. Peter's failure allowed for God's success. Jesus dies so we can be free. It's a paradox. Jesus certainly doesn't look like a failure on, he does look like a failure on Friday, but Sunday's coming and he doesn't look like a failure on Sunday. But Peter doesn't know that. And neither do you. And neither do I. I want to do what he calls me to do, no matter what it is, and no matter how limited my vision is for it. 35 years later, Peter's message from Jesus at the Last Supper was fulfilled. He says, you, Jesus told them, you cannot go with me, but you will follow me afterward. And Peter went out of the same city and was crucified, just as Jesus was. And the scripture gives us all sorts of ways to understand that sometimes we are based and sometimes we are bounded. We like the success model. We like the quick success model better. We do live in the 21st century. Often failure can be disillusioning. But I want to say to you as we end this time together, failure is often our best teacher. So often when I'm asked to mentor someone and I say, well, what is it you've learned from this time that we've been together mentoring and receiving, giving and receiving? They often say, oh, I learned that when you failed, you found it was okay and you picked up your boots and put them back on and went off. That's what Peter did. Peter was a failure in the sense of Peter's eyes, but he was not a failure in the sense of God. I encourage you today to consider, are you pushing for something that God would rather you not push for? And you're doing it because you have not made time to see his plan and you're pushing for your plan. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of accepting your place in God's plan. <music>